This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva the Cats. I am your host, Justin Howes, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats. Twice a week, once a week, somewhere in there. Wow. <laughs> We've been a little inconsistent lately, but make sure to check us out on Twitter at Pod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date uni tracker info from Steve. Steve, this has been an interesting past few weeks. Uh, we've both been a little bit busy. We did record a pod last week that uh, previewed Indiana, and we recorded it while I was in the garage at work on break, and it did not go very well as we lost like any real good quality. So we did not put that out, but we will do a little bit of a review for Miami and Indiana in this one um, and then kind of catch everybody back up to speed and then get on pace and then maybe talk some basketball there at the end, too. So um, now that we got all that out, <laughs> I forget what movie I'm quoting here, but I'm working here. We're working yeah. here. We got day jobs. What do you want us to do? Oh, hey, oh, <laughs> um, shout out to all of my Italian friends. I love you very much. Um, so, yes, that podcast did uh, pass away and go to podcast heaven. Um, yep. it, something that was very alive and very real on the University of Cincinnati campus today was the Miami Dolphins. Uh, some may call them the greatest football team. They take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. <laughs> um, Justin, what happened today on campus that caused such a ruckus? Um. Well, let me. I, I would love to give a visual for this, but essentially, uh, the Dolphins did not understand that the University of Cincinnati is a, a public campus and B has a football stadium that is dead smack middle of the campus. <laughs> and um, of course, when you host an NFL team in the middle of a college campus and you have a bunch of curious college students walking around the campus, uh, what do you think is going to happen? People are going to take pictures. People are going to take video. Um, and there's a reason why NFL teams practice in closed facilities that are not public. Uh, and the Dolphins have learned today to uh, not do so. And now the Bengals have a little bit of tape on Tua, Tyreek Hill, and the Dolphins. And uh, it's just funny all around. And <laughs> I think I think they've uh, maybe learned their lesson. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean... You got to really do your homework on this kind of stuff. Like just go to a random high school, you know, like where like, you know, the kids like won't really care that much. And like, it'll won't go on to Bristol Cincy, you know, shout out yeah. to the guys, <laughs> uh, our, our 
our current group who's taken it over and uh, doing doing well uh, in some areas. But um, they just to me, it's just a lack of uh, predictions or just a like. You think forty thousand college students are just going to be like, oh yeah, walk by? We had to um, shoo off any college, like Justin. This is story time from oh, inside yeah. the football program when it was when we would play an opponent that was close to us. We always had to be looking out um, in the stands at Nippert for people who might be filming us because uh, this was actually a story for uh, Jacksonville State head coach Rich Rodriguez earlier this season. He had correctly. Uh, caught a, a non-looker from the Stephen F. Austin uh, coaching staff who was uh, filming and spying on his practice before their week one game against each Wow. So, th- I mean, it is a real thing. Uh, obviously, the Patriots got caught doing it all those years back, but yep. um, we've been on our guard for a while now, and uh, anybody who's... <laughs> I remember There are always our, cameras around in Cincinnati. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, our strength guys had to kick out somebody who was just doing like a commercial for their class project because they were filming while the football team was on the field, and they're like, we don't want to take any chances. <laughs> so, <laughs> so It's a class uh, project on how... Um, <laughs> on how UCF can uh, infiltrate the yeah, <laughs> University yeah. of Cincinnati. You don't think some crazy West Virginia fans going to come up here next year and try to get in? Uh, that's why we're building the indoor facility, and that's why we have yeah. the bubble. Uh, it's you know it does get cold here for sure, but uh, it's kind of nice to be able to have that option. So, um, but but yeah, like it, it just seems like a lack of foresight from the Dolphins on what might happen. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, I, I think if there's anything to learn for the Dolphins there, it's just that uh, Cincinnati kids, like, not even the Dolphins, it's just for the NFL, learn that, like, if you visit the University of Cincinnati, the campus is literally the most open thing. And this is a thing that I really hope in the future, and granted, we're getting a practice facility, so it doesn't really matter. But the coolest thing about Nipper is the fact that it's open at all times. You can literally, you know, go play ultimate or soccer or baseball or do literally anything, run the stands at any point in the day at any time of the year. Um, you know, except, you know, for the few years with FC Cincinnati, but now that they're out, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so I would hope that this never really becomes a thing that's closed off. I don't think it's physically possible with the amount of traffic that comes to there. But again, if you're a visiting team who needs a practice field, just, don't use Nipper. It's cool, but you're remember get Justin filmed. during COVID when um, Memphis got very upset that uh, UC wouldn't let them use their practice field, uh, like the Nipper for their Friday walkthrough before the Saturday game, in which UC absolutely pummeled them. Yep. <laughs> that, that was a controversy. Like this is a real thing, um, and this is kind of inside baseball for all these things. But like you know, if you can't find a field, you kind of just got to do your walkthrough wherever you can. Like for many years, you see, which was kind of used like the top of the hotel garage, <laughs> just because like, <laughs> like you know they would go like you know for for a lot of road trips, you you usually get to walk around the the home team stadium, uh, and then you know couple run a couple plays there, and then then leave. But um, like sometimes, you know, you just gotta, you're not able to do that and they have to uh, do what you can. So, I mean, hell, the, Xavier's got a full length uh, <laughs> soccer field. Just yeah. go use that. Granted, you don't have any line markers. 
but they got a full leg soccer field and they clearly don't have any fans and they don't know what football is. They yeah. wouldn't know if it hit them straight in between the eyes. So well, I mean, like, <laughs> maybe they should use that instead. You know, like there's the, uh, the football stadium on the West end, uh, by the soccer stadium, by the FCC new stadium. And then my alma mater, the pit is not that far away from downtown, which I think the dolphins are staying by. I mean, I, I, I certainly get why they went up to UC, but like if they're going to get all mad about that, then, you know, just, it is what it is. So I my, <laughs> my my very last point on this is the NFL has been around for God knows how many years. How is it just now at this point in time with social media being a pretty prevalent thing for the past, you know, decade? How is it just now at this point in time in 2022 that they're figuring out that they're going to get recorded in a public space like that? Like and 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 it's how 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 does the NFL not like have like sanctioned places that are closed off from the public so that these teams can practice in private? Like it's I just don't understand how that's. This also brings up like the amount of times that uh, people who had their videos posted on the Instagram or Twitter pages for Barcelona Cincinnati who would ask us to take them down or they would get the law (laughs) involved, and I'm like. Well, we're in public. Kick rocks. We're in public now. Yes. uh, You uh, come on now. Like you're doing something dumb in public. You got filmed doing something dumb in public. You can't take that back. You're, you're done. So you make a fantastic point there. And I really wish that (laughs) I really wish that our guys would have sent that. Not that they, I don't think they got contacted directly by the dolphins because that was upper management there for, uh, El Presidente, but that would have been really funny if they messaged him. Just kick rocks. (laughs) There was another video that went kind of viral today, uh, and it was of um, our students eloquently saying F Bama to Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, who (laughs) I don't know how he's going to start, but uh, he said, well, we beat y'all last year, which leads me into the segue of bringing it to Cincinnati Bearcats football, Justin. Segwaying from Good the segue. Pros. Segway Thank King. Thank you. Thank you. Uh no, shout out to Alex Kirshner. He's the real Segway King. A split zone duo fans. Oh yeah. You for know. sure. <laughs> um shout out to Godfrey for liking my tweet too. I appreciate that. But um Yeah, that was fun. Um <laughs> uh, so Justin, uh while we were away, the Bearcats did play two games. Uh a road game in quotes at the core against um I saw someone call it the core, Justin. So um, it's not PBS anymore. It's Paycor Stadium. But I saw oh, someone yeah. call it the core. So I kind of like that because there is the Bengals core. But anyway, uh, the Bengals beat up on the Red Hawks at the core. And then they took care of business against Indiana this past week. But first, we're going to talk about Victory Bell ringing in Clifton for many years to come. So you tweeted after the game that they got to put that bad boy in quick read at the stadium for real. Uh, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> I, I I would like to know, like right off the top, if you were going to put the victory bell like permanently in Nippert Stadium, which it so rightfully de- uh, belongs there, uh, where would you put it? Like if you got to put it on display, where's the one place you're going to put it? I feel like I would put it like, you know, where like the Jimmy Nipper Memorial is. Dude, like, I was thinking the same thing, right? You on just top put of- it right top of there and like have the Bearcat reach up and ring it, you know, and like, oh. I don't know why he gets up there. It is a rounded surface up there. Like, it seems like yeah. if you take one false move, you're you're, you're falling. <laughs> I I agree with you. Like, it's the pinnacle. It's right at the top. There's so much history involved in it. There's so many of those games that have been played in the stadium. It just makes sense. Yep. I think that's a perfect place to put it there. 
like or or I'm thinking like you know like the the fake bells that play from the Tangerman Center. Uh, oh yeah. Hour? yeah, yeah. You just put the victory bell up there, and everybody's like, "Man, that that bell sound <laughs> just seems very like close." Nope, that's a real bell. <laughs> Turns out you can actually get up into the bell uh, or that little tower on top of Tangerman. Don't ask me or anything about it, but know? I know people that have been up in that like literally climbed up there and if you've ever seen tangerman it's literally like uh it's like a classic clock tower where it's like just this catwalk and then it goes up and there's a ladder like up to the top don't ask me how to get up there i don't know i don't know anybody that's been up there but i do know people that have been up there well speaking of bells i also have to bring up the like the last time that we uh uc played at jaeger stadium in oxford i noticed that after touchdowns uh miami like has a couple guys in one of their end zones ring a bell that like sounds like the victory bell but is not yeah. the victory bell uh, I, I i have to wonder whether they just brought it out for that one game in hopes that they would be able to have the real <laughs> bell for the rest of the time but Man, Justin, that's an off-season pod if I've ever thought of one. Like, dude, there is so many stories from that victory bell game. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, speaking of the most recent one, uh, the Bearcats started slow, but they were yep. able to pick it back up, went on a 31 nothing run to close the game out. Uh, 38-17 Bearcats win, uh, 15 wins in 16 years, and uh, the only reason there wasn't a 16th win is because of a global pandemic. So, yep. uh, Justin, uh, just from watching this game, um, it seemed like Ben Bryant uh, really came into his own. He had a lot more time to throw, and uh, he was able to use it to his advantage. And um, I think something, too, that I'm going to bring up about, about the Indiana game is that we are becoming a more pass-oriented offense, and as long yep. as we've got receivers on the field that are able to make plays like that, I'm fine with it. Like bring back some of the Brian Kelly offense that, uh, yeah, he, he like brought here and we were able to light it up for a while. And as long as the defense is able to hold teams to 17 and 24 points, I think we're good. Yeah, no, no kidding. I just combined um, good and great there, but, uh, we're, <laughs> we're agreed. Yeah. So speaking specifically on this Indiana game, um, what do you think was the most fun part of it? Oh, the Indiana game. Uh, Bearcats go up thirty-eight to ten at halftime. Final score of forty-five to twenty-four. Um, the the moment I actually laughed out loud. Uh, I was doing my my thing that my dad does. Where he's like, "Yeah, go, go." You know, like Dave <laughs> Lapham sounds when he's doing the radio calls for the Bengals. Oh, yeah. um, mine was when uh, we had the scoop and score and the strip sack fumble um, because yep. that seemed like just the. You know, it, the game was pretty much over after that, and Bearcats played like it in the second half. But um, just how oh, yeah. much like that was just such a big exclamation point on top of Tyler Scott scoring all of those touchdowns. So yeah, but Justin, no I can't give it enough justice because you were in Nippert Stadium this past Saturday. I want to hear about yes. it from you. Yeah, for those of you who um, may be new to the uh, pod. Uh, and then any possibility that we've got any of you in this episode, every pause is somebody's first. Uh, we are we are both not in Cincinnati, so when we do get to go to games, it is very nice. And being in the stadium again was really cool. I will say it was the first time that I've actually watched a game in the stands since probably the 2018 season. 
just because 2019 I was working photo for the whole or for the team. 2020 obviously didn't get into any games just like most people um and then 2021 i went to a game but i also uh shot photos for that too so like i didn't even get a chance to really watch um and this is the time that i got to sit down and like it, it was just nice to like be amongst the fans and like really like kind of experience it again and something like in seats that uh, my parents had back when i was uh like in middle school so it's just kind of a all-encompassing really cool day but I mean, it, it was crazy, man. We were just sitting there watching and laughing as the score just ran up so fast. I mean, it was like in the blink of an eye, the Bearcats go up like three touchdowns. Um, and I, I literally, it was funny because I went uh, to the concession stand and I heard somebody say, uh, after this is after the half ended, uh, or after the first half ended uh, during halftime. He's like, yeah, you know, I went out to grab a drink and I came back and we scored 21 more points. <laughs> and I'm like, well, A, that's a problem for uh, the concessions within Nippert because they are, uh, the lines are awful. <laughs> just put it that way. Um, and that's been a problem for a long time. But regardless, um, it was it was just, it was a really fun time. And I, I think the most, I think the most exciting touchdown for me was probably that just bomb, like the, what, 80 yard bomb from, Tyler or uh, from Bryant to Tyler Scott. 75. That was yep. 75. Yeah. It was super cool. And it was just nice to like see that open up again. I, I really, I've said this before, but like Tyler Scott is the bomb carrier. Like that is just, that is just his, I don't, he, if he doesn't have a title for that, he has a title for that now, the bomb carrier, because that guy is always in the right place at the right time, straight up the middle of the seam every single time i mean we saw it like three or four times with ritter last year where it's like 50 60 plus um and now you know he's just uncorking the bottle every single week so it's really cool um regardless i think the other most fun part of this game for me was just watching the bearcats uh score 38 in the first half make the game look like it was over make me think that I, we could possibly score like 60 points in this game against a power five, big 10 school, and then proceed to score only one touchdown with like two minutes left in the game. Uh, that was really fun. I, I really enjoyed watching our offense in the second half. Um, and for those of you who can't tell that it's definitely sarcasm because that was awful to watch. <laughs> I don't know that that offensively was probably one of the worst halves that we've had all season. following the best half of offense that we've had all season. It was night and day and i don't know what happened i i would have figured that indiana made some good adjustments defensively and you, you can't really blame them and maybe but but the thing is is like we didn't put in second strings at the half like i was fully expecting after the first okay they ran this thing up 28 we're gonna put ben bryan in score one more touchdown in the beginning of the third quarter and then evan Prater's going in for the rest of the game and that never happened i think it was a combination of things justin i think one um the offense definitely had a rough couple first few drives. I think uh, everybody took the gas off a little bit, uh, including uh, Coach Fickle mentioned that the students left early on Saturday uh, after the yeah. first half, which, like, I mean, you definitely don't want. But just as a younger person myself, I see it's up four. Uh, I got these tickets yeah. through my mom. Like, my mom either paid for them or they were, like, yep. I got them from, a, you know. Yeah. Like, I can rationalize it. I, it wouldn't be me doing it, you know, but anyway. The, the but also don't blame the student. Don't blame the fans. It, granted, you put on a great show. Like you gave us everything we could possibly yeah. want in was, in 30 minutes. Yeah. So that was um, Mike 
uh, Mike Bones, one of his big gripes, he's like, maybe we got to keep these games closer so people will come around. <laughs> so, um, but I think Justin, just like you, it was hard to match the same atmosphere and intensity in the second half. And um, True. I, I've seen this complaint a lot, uh, and I want to get your take on it, Justin, after my little spiel here. But um, another game where the Bearcats only played one complete half and not two full halves. And, yeah. Um, so I think it was also a part of, you know, the offense kind of letting their foot off the gas. And then Indiana was running up so quick to the line and going so fast tempo that they were like their second touchdown that, that gave them, uh, got them up to 17 was basically a blown coverage because there was no one covering the wide out there. Cause they had been going so fast on that drive. UC was just out of rhythm um, on the defense yeah. and it was just a walk-in touchdown basically. So mm-hmm. I, I think that tempo definitely affected the defense and they were out there for a lot of time in that second half too. Yeah, no so, kidding. Um, and, you know, you, uh, credit to Indiana, they were able to sustain some drives. Um, they still have not given us any credit for kicking their ass. <laughs> Did you see the, the, oh, uh, yeah. the Connor oh, Bazelak yeah. quote? Oh yeah, <laughs> man, that was so funny. Like that yeah. is just such uh, for for those of you who don't know what he's talking about. The mention of Basilac, uh had like a post game press comment from media um, from Monday's uh, press conference. Uh, yeah. Indiana quarterback Connor Basilac on the Cincinnati loss. I just think we kind of beat ourselves. We had some key penalties that killed <laughs> drives. There were some missed throws. Uh, that's from Mason Williams. Um, like. Can you just not admit that you took an L? Like, is this a thing about the Indiana program? Is that been beaten down so much that they can't accept L's anymore? Like, they're about to yeah. be the losing it, the first team in college football history, Justin, to lose seven hundred games for their program history. Like the first in FBS. Yes, yes, the first. Seriously, they've been around that long and they've sucked for that long. So I didn't I, realize that they've been that bad for that long. That's they, actually they really have never been good. like they have not won a bowl game since 1992. I don't think they've beaten Ohio State since like the Reagan administration. Like it's oh. they've been bad for a very long time. So I just like, aren't you guys supposed to be used to losing now? Just take your L like 2020 yeah. was an anomaly for everybody, but especially for Indiana, dude, like, come on. So, dude, I mean, the second that that actually happens and they hit 700 you know that's going to get played everywhere, like across like all Indiana streams. I can't Purdue imagine, friends like, are going to really enjoy oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, Purdue's <laughs> going to light them up for a long time to come. I mean, the thing that I don't understand is like, I mean, personally, like I, maybe, maybe it's the flip side. There's always this argument for recruiting, but like if you're a recruit and you see this like time and again with this program that's just consistently not good enough and consistently always comes up short. Sure. If they're the best offer in your bucket, you know, go for it. But I just don't see why people would want to play for a team that consistently loses year in year out. That's the thing though, Justin, about athletes and people who are in sports, they're like, Oh, 
I'm going to be the one to change that. that like, right we're all the kind ship. of narcissistic, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, we were, uh, you know, the, the, there's people talking about, like, oh, man, who would take the Nebraska job right now? Like, I mean, come on. Someone's going right. to be, like, dumb enough or, like, confident enough or cocky enough to be like, I'm going to be able to change everything. Like, same with yeah. Arizona State. Same with Georgia Tech. Same with potentially Auburn, Colorado. Like, all these other jobs. Oh, it's not a potentially Auburn. Auburn is happening. Auburn oh, yeah. Is yeah. Pissed. Poor, awful. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, that's just how all these guys think, and like you know, they they are not maybe as realistic as some of us. But hey, they make some good moments, so maybe they have more self belief. But anyway, uh, I was talking yep. about Indiana. Uh, credit to them; they were able to uh, play well. Um, Justin Williams brought this up in his weekly uh, rewatch of the game. Uh, they did uh, give some good front. Their defensive plan was to basically you know stuff the run, stuff the box control Wiley and Taylor and let them beat you on the outside. And uh, did they not do a scouting report on the outside? <laughs> like, that's what I want to know. <laughs> Maybe they just don't have the talent to match up, but like, you know, UC definitely took advantage of that. And, you know, Bryant made a couple beautiful throws, uh, hit Tyler Scott in stride the one time, and then, you know, dropped it in the bucket to him the second time. I didn't really think Tyler Scott was the kind of guy who could make like a diving catch like that, but man, good for him. Like that was an awesome play. Hey, don't um, sleep on our boy. <laughs> oh, and then the thing I love most about him is that, like, you get him in space you, and you give him five yards, he's literally going to put his oh, foot, yeah. left foot in the ground, or you know, he's going to put a foot in the ground, and then the defender's just going to be like moving and angles are broken. So like, he's going to torch you, man. He is yeah. so fast. Yeah. Like, I want to, I want to <laughs> do a cut up of like, all the times that Tyler Scott just torched somebody's ass and just like he puts like <laughs> there like the first time I saw it was at Temple that Temple game last year he put his foot in the ground I think the defender is still like in the Nippert Stadium oh, yeah. turf somewhere <laughs> so <laughs> um, but uh, otherwise Justin like what did you think about the game I, I I definitely thought it was an enjoyable game like I wasn't really worried but I think it's just a thing about you know the the growing expectations of our program where, you know, we win a game by 21, but we look sloppy and we think we can do better. Yeah. Um, you know, overall, I think, I think they played really well. I think it is a game of two halves. I think the defense held up, you know, really honestly, pretty astoundingly, especially in the first half. And I get to like letting off the, you know, letting off the gas kind of idea there. But, um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I with with how Indiana plays, they're pretty like up tempo kind of thing. Like, if you actually look at their uh, Basilax stats for this game, he had sixty six pass attempts, which is just insane. Like, that's a really fast offense. Um, and I think the defense was able to kind of hold its own against that. Um, but regardless, you know, one of the biggest things for me, I think, is the penalties were still fairly heavily penalized. Um, you know, there's always going to be calls that don't go your way. We were penalized for uh, eight total times for 77 yards in this game. Um, I, I think we still need to bring that down. And I think between that and just not always playing two halves of football, I think that's one of the biggest issues for me. But aside from that, I think, you know, clearly we show that we have the offensive firepower to light teams up. We just need to take advantage of it and make sure that we're consistent. Um, and if we yeah. can figure that out, and figure out that consistency for two halves of football, 
I think will be golden. I, I, yeah. I don't see how we're going to have any issue with the rest of our schedule. Well, and then uh, the other thing too is that uh, you know Justin Harris was uh, had to play for Arquan Bush. Um, I think because I think yep. he got hurt in this game, uh, or uh, was it this game or the past game, last game, Justin? I I, I don't remember, but um, I believe it was this game. Okay, uh, but yeah, so you know, just uh, Justin Harris had to go in, and he he was he had to, he did commit a couple penalties, and I think he was. Uh, I think he actually counted for four of the eight penalties, but you're right, Justin. Like it's, um, I think there's a point where being aggressive is good, but I think it's just like, just so like frustrating at times when, you know, you see consistently seven to 10 penalties from this UC team. Um, I don't know that, yeah. uh, you know, by fact, I'd have to go back and check it, but it does kind of seem like we are good for at least seven, if not 10 penalties like it. And yeah, no kidding. You know, <laughs> we definitely come out and play mean and nasty, but like, and that's our ethos, you know, play tough and nasty on defense, but their drive killers are when they like intentionally like hurt us, then I'm not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, I mean, like I said, I, th- I think the biggest thing for me is just this, the the defense I feel like has been really good about not getting penalized. I feel like it's really been our offense for the most part. Um, but I mean, of course, you know, there's some of the share there, like you're just saying with the game. Um, but honestly, like, I think if we can really just kind of hunker down, hone in on some of those issues, we should be rock steady to win out the rest of the season. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll get to this in a, uh, in a minute. Uh, about our little stock market segment here where we're going to be talking about uh, buying, holding, or selling certain teams uh, for the foreseeable future. We'll get to that. But before we do that, I want to talk about uh, non-conference in review. And this is just kind of a thing where what we're going to do is review some stat lines um, across the four first games of the season, along with our eye test. And then uh, for those positions, which we're going to look specifically at QBs, O-line, rushers, receivers, kicking defense. We're going to have a, uh, give our players to watch with those stats, um, our star player for that category, whoever's like kind of been the standout. That's really just going to show itself. Um, and then Steve is also going to give us a grade uh, for that entire uh, category of our offense or defense or special teams uh, so far throughout the season. So without further ado... Um, we're going to start off with QBs. Obviously, all we're really going to be talking about here is Ben Bryant because Evan Prater has not seen enough action to really give any actionable uh, words to that point. But uh, Ben Bryant, so far throughout the season, has about 1,200 passing yards, uh, 67% completion rate, averaging almost nine yards um, a play with uh, three interceptions against 11 touchdowns. Um, the one most interesting stat I have here <laughs> is that his sack yards lost was negative 88. Well, obviously negative, but is <laughs> 88 yards lost in sacks. And as well, uh, rushing, he has accrued uh, 52 negative yards total <laughs> against his 21 attempts. So clearly he's not the same mobile quarterback that we had with Desmond Ritter. But he has definitely shown that he has a great arm for passing. Assuming uh, that's so, sack adjusted, that's not sack adjusted. That is mostly just sacks. Uh, I would believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my grade for Ben Bryant, um, I am uh, <laughs> Justin. I'm not a very harsh grader. I'm usually like a pretty, <laughs> pretty positive grader. But um, 
Uh, right now, I'm going to give him a B plus, um, and I say that okay. just because of you know the first game was winnable, and you know I think yep. if he had won that game, uh, he would have had an A from everybody in in Bearcats Nation. Mm-hmm. You know, just I think he was not really there in that first game, and unfortunately, you know, it was against Arkansas. But we saw this Saturday, um, you know, in like in previous games, Arkansas's defensive backs are shaky, and there are definitely some misthrows yep. and some opportunities where I really think UC could have come away with a win in that game. Uh, so definitely um, with that being his knock, um, he looked amazing in the first half on, uh, on Saturday looked great again um, on uh, against Miami. And then, you know, Kennesaw state, he did what he needed to do, but um, two of his picks uh, this year, like the last two weeks have kind of just been tip drill balls. Uh, and so that's kind of, Kind of unfortunate. It was a little bit high to Lenny on this last one last week, but still probably could have been caught. Uh, but m- make a better throw, uh, you know, instead. Right. But um, I, I think last week, just him going over, beating Dez's like uh, career passing total record. Uh, I think he had 350 yards, and Dez, his highest was only 346. So that's like just. It shows you how much of a talented passer he is. He dropped it in the bucket too to Tyler Scott. I was like, that's a throw right there. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I want to see if he can start making some of those mid-level throws, get the tight ends involved. Like, you know, Des last year, the throw that I think about most when I think about Des's season last year is that throw that he rifled to Lenny Taylor um, in the Notre Dame game. Oh you yeah, know, like over a linebacker, past the outstretched arm of the DB, and just literally like the one place that it could be where it wouldn't be picked off and it was right there for him. So like, that's a hard standard to live up to when you are compared to a pro quarterback, but the standard is changing now at UC and like our standards are getting elevated. So I, but you bet Brian a B plus right now. Is that fair or is that too harsh? No, I, I definitely think that's fair. I mean, I, I would say, uh, you know, all throughout uh, this season so far, he's remained pretty consistent. You know, I think the first game, like you said, was just kind of rubbing off some of the rust. Um, and unfortunately, it was just bad timing. But um, I think had we had Arkansas literally any week other than the first week, even in Arkansas, we would have won that game. I think it's just there's so many things that just not even for Ben. I mean, I think Ben caught a lot of flack for that game. Um, but I think, you know, the whole team as a whole like just needed to get some things clicking um and so yeah i agree i would give him a uh you said b plus for that so um with that said our o-line um not going to go into super specifics because there's not really a whole lot of stats tracked for o-line at least in college football um but more so just sort of the conversation um how do we feel about our o-line so far this year i feel like personally um ben's had a lot of time i think in this indiana game he had a lot of time um, to pass. And it was, you know, there was a couple dropbacks that he had that just felt like, you know, he, he was not really working against the clock, so to speak. Um, and that he could be comfortable back there. And so I don't know, I I feel like I've been pretty impressed with them so far this year, uh, other uh, than maybe some jumpiness. I, I, I agree with that. I think he was definitely, um, I, I think he's the 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 O line's been good. Um, not as many false starts as we've seen over the past couple of years. Um, yeah, no kidding. 
I and though I'm going to be a little bit harsher on them, I'm going to give them a B minus. And my only reason okay. for that is that, you know, uh, they've given Ben Bryant a bunch of time to pass. Our pass pro has been great, but they're just not really able to create the running lines, uh, run, running lines I agree. right now. And I, it's just yeah. really not like what you want to see from this offensive line. And I think, Justin, this is the final stage of UC recruiting to me. And it will get elevated next year, um, along with all yep. of our other recruiting expectations once we join the Big 12. You know, like we, we are in the 40s right now recruiting as an American team, which is better than anybody else in the G5 and in the in the conference. But that will obviously need to be elevated, and it will get elevated once, uh, you know, next year when uh, we move and there are more recruits just joining, just you know, because they are uh, interested interested in uh, seeing what we what we got here. So, yeah. Um, but the the O line to me has been the only thing over this run that I think has really not lived up or has not been up to par. And definitely, like losing Jake Renfro hurts. He was your all conference yeah. center last year as a freshman. Um, he was really good. Um, and I, I do think we've got some good guys there, but you know it. And those recruiting battles are definitely hard uh, because their O-linemen in this part of the country are so coveted by many programs that it's just, it's just hard to win out against some of those big programs. But um, well, yeah, I think just in, in the vein of we are not getting the running lanes we want and we're not giving our running backs enough space to make magic, uh, you know, it's – and I think it's also just like the drop-off from last year. Like last year – really don't think the O-line was an issue in any of the games, really. Like, you tell me if I'm wrong, but um, it seemed like they were consistently good every game. This year, just running lanes haven't been opened up, and credit to the defenses for making that happen. But uh, if we're going to be holding ourselves to this standard, the running game has to be a lot better. So um, yeah. I'll get to the running backs when we get to them, but I'm going to say B-minus for the O-line. Gotcha. All right. Um. So speaking of rushing, um, this has been an interesting category, uh, to say the least. I think yeah. there's been a lot of uh, expectations that have just kind of been shifted, and some people, you know, might agree and disagree with certain choices. Um, but overall, I I would feel like this year has definitely been a bit of a struggle. So, front game, as you just mentioned with the O line, um, currently on the year. Uh, there are a grand total of seven rushers, um, and those all include McClellan, Kiner, Montgomery, well, both of the Montgomerys, <laughs> Prater, Tucker, and, of course, Ben Bryant. Um, speaking specifically to our two leading rushers, um, McClellan and Kiner, um, they're split at about uh, so 42 rushes or attempts for McClellan and 40 for Kiner. Um, 236 yards on those 42 rushes for McClelland, uh, with three touchdowns and for Kiner, uh, 40 attempts with 147 yards, uh, averaging about 3.7 play and four touchdowns. Um, I think it's been interesting to watch this kind of develop. I think we were all kind of, um, having mixed expectations, but definitely like we're figuring that Kiner would be the guy like every single play he'd be in there. Um, at least like the three down kind of back. I think that was just sort of our expectation. Um, clearly that's changed. I think there's been, as we've seen here, some splits between McClellan and Kiner. Um, with Chuck actually getting some um, 
good receiving attention too, which is actually kind of surprising. Um, we'll get into that there when we get into receiving, but overall, um, I'd say, you know, the key player here, I think has been Kiner as much as McClelland has definitely been the stud. Um, he's the key player to watch, I would say. But, um, as far as like just straight up yards and kind of pounding the ball, um, McClelland's been there. And I think Kiner has just kind of gotten some of the, uh, you know, red zone drives as it's felt and McClellan's been uh pulling the team up the field yeah so um I am just gonna give um I'm staying in the B range Justin um well okay yeah I'm gonna say B um I probably could have been a little bit harsher on the O-linemen but O-linemen are my people (laughs) man like I yeah you know they're they're big and like they you know I don't want to be I don't want to mess with them so yeah. <laughs> um, running backs, I'm going to give a solid B to. Um, and I think this is okay. not exactly on the running back room. I think this is more on the coaching staff. Um, there was a quote okay. from Fickle that said, like, I don't know why we're getting we're not getting Corey kind of the ball more. Um, I, he wanted to see more of a rotation between them. But um, I, I don't know. Like, I just never really been um, as enamored with Charles McClellan as I have been with other UC running backs over the years. And it's through no fault of his own, really. He's just unfortunately been hurt with two season-ending injuries. So, you know, I just, I feel for him, you know, that's just, it's just very unfortunate. But um, I think it's also that we were blessed with having uh, Jerome Ford last year uh, be such a hard runner and be able to cut through. And he kind of did both. He was able to hit a big play as well as, you know, kind of bust through the hole and get you a third down conversion or, you know, like three down back kind of, kind of guy but um me i think just the you know i i would like to see more from Corey kiner i'd like to see more from um yeah is it uh, miles montgomery that is um currently still uh uh, healthy uh who which montgomery was injured i i don't remember that i thought it was Miles Montgomery, who got injured, and okay. Ryan Montgomery got hurt. But we might have it flipped up. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to keep track. Um, no, so, Ryan Montgomery is the one who's injured, okay. and Miles yeah. Montgomery is not. We haven't really seen much of Miles Montgomery other than like re- re- recovering uh, punts. But um, you know, it's just but he is a freshman. Yeah, yeah definitely. No, and I, I think like they'll they'll figure out who's the better running back, and I think you know Fickle and the guys will figure that out. They'll you know go through that. Um, <laughs> I've heard from uh, from personal uh, friends that uh, our new line coach uh, Pat Cummings is uh, um, I don't know if his first name is Pat. Uh, coach Cummings is uh, he's very intense, so I, I think they'll figure it yep. out. And um, you know, I think it's also a learning process too. You know, it, it has been four games, but this is a basically like you know a, a new combination of linemen with um, Jake Renfro being out for the season, and you know, I believe. Yeah. Um, I, I you know I, I forget who we had to kick over to center, so I'm sounding very educated right now. But um, <laughs> you know I, I think it's just a combination of those two factors and uh, hurting our run game. And I think that's another reason why the Indiana game was not put put to bed earlier than it eventually was, is because we weren't able to open up any running lanes. And I think the wealth has to be shared there between online and the running backs and uh, you know because the running backs always say like you know it's not me it's my own lineman like shout out to my own lineman man they're great you know like they've got to get these guys in space they've got to give them a chance to you know 
run the run the ball or catch the ball out of the flat, run a run a counter, run a sweep, and I just right. I don't know. It was just so frustrating because anytime we were handing off the ball, it was like one or two yards, if that. I know. And just and it, well, this is one thing actually that I brought up in our uh, Lost in the Ether podcast uh that we recorded last week was that um fun stat don't remember where i found it but i remember the numbers was specifically that um the bearcats dropped back into um did or had drop back passes uh 53 percent of plays uh last year and this year it's gone up to 59 percent and with that you're also going to sacrifice some of your run game but on top of that this year, we're also not sharing the run game with a quarterback like Desmond Ritter, and so to see like to see the lack, I think, of investment in the run game, I think maybe it's just because it's, it just hasn't been working or whatever that reason may be. Um, it it just feels like we're not putting enough emphasis on that this year, and that's really been like a tried and true like reliable place for us to start in games like i mean it's i'm not gonna we're definitely not like running back you or anything like that we're all tied and you anything else but um you know when you're when you're looking at what's been sort of some of our mainstays over the past few seasons if you take des out of that situation altogether as a passer our run game like we've had we've had stacked running back rooms and we've had like just unstoppable rushing like when it when you when you talk about like our star running back in this year, it just feels like everybody's, uh, you know, it kind of feels like a basketball team when like you put somebody out on the court for two minutes. Uh, we'll love this for any Mick haters, uh, but Mick would put somebody out. They'd make a mistake or they wouldn't do what he'd want them to. They'd be on the court for two minutes and he'd take them off or they'd be the starters. He'd, t- he'd take them off for two minutes and put them back in. And it just doesn't make any sense. Like you just, you can't let your guys gel. You can't let them get into a group constantly like flipping back and forth and splitting this time. Like, I feel like if Corey's the solution, if Chuck is the solution, one of them needs to be taking the brunt of that action. And it's, you know, splitting it. I get splitting time. I'm not voting for one or the other either, because I think they're both great. I think it just should be a choice for one or the other. You have that conversation about QBs the whole offseason, and then you get into the season, you go with Ben Bryant. You're not splitting any time with Evan Prater. I don't get why you do that, but you don't do that with your running backs. I mean, I, and I get it because running back is a beat-up position. You're going to take a lot of hits. Split the time, but give let a guy like get gelled. Let him be like that star guy. And I, I think Corey Kiner or Charles McClellan could be that. Yeah, um, and it just, I think too- it's a shame that we haven't seen it. Well, the other thing too is that, like, I think you have to take take out, you know, our, our running, our read option plays because you know we know that Ben Bryant is not not running yeah. the ball from a read option, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that was a deadly part of our offense with Desmond Ritter last year. Like that was For real. one of the touchdowns we scored against SMU was that fourth and one play where, yeah. like the the like the outside linebacker bit so hard on the running back taking the ball that he just missed Dez and watched him scamper out for a 40 yard <laughs> touchdown. So um, that one's gone. Uh, we also know that, like, you know, the common, the one of our bigger plays when we're down in the red zone is that, you know, like that tight end motion where he motions to the left and then heads back out to the right. And, but it's in a, you know, a, a 11 set where 
uh, you know, you have the running back next to you, so it could be that read option. Uh, right. So, like, the defenders have to stay home for that. But then again, but now, since there's no read option, it's one of it takes out that equation and takes that part out of the equation. Mm-hmm. So, um, I definitely think that because of Ben Bryant's talents as a passer and not as many talents as a runner, which is okay. I mean, you know, again, you're compared to an NFL guy, but I think it's just that part of like evolving and changing and figuring out how this offense is just going to have to run and just going to be a, a strange part of being involved with, you know, like this, this team and this offense. But um, I think they're going to figure it out. And as we get into league play and, you know, say what you will about Indiana. And I, I definitely did, but um, you know, they still got big 10 dudes on the defensive line. Same with Arkansas. They still got sec dudes on the defensive yep. line. In the two games where we haven't played a power five team, we've run the ball pretty well. So maybe, Next year we'll have a little bit of a problem with running the ball, but um, with our schedule so far this year, I mean, I don't see us having too many problems running the ball. I can agree. Um, On to receiving here. Um, So this has been a very electric part of our offense. Obviously, if you're going to put some more uh, names into the hat, uh, so to speak, and you're going to throw more passes this year, you're going to have more interesting receiving stats. Uh, Tyler Scott has definitely led the way. Um, He's been the name to watch so far this season with a total of 25 receptions against 400 yards, uh, which is kind of crazy because that means he's averaging about 17 yards per reception. Um, Of course, with his longest being 75 yards, a grand total of five touchdowns, three of those scored this past week against Indiana. Um, For the rest of the list, Trey Tucker, 275 yards, also averaging about 16 yards uh, per reception. Charles McClellan comes in at number three, tied with uh, uh, Jaden Thompson, um, with 110 yards. And uh, that goes for, obviously, both of them. Um, And then kind of down the list, a little bit farther than I think I would have expected, Josh Wiley, Nick Marner, Leonard Taylor. They kind of take up the middle of this pack here. and, you know, stats are going to be stats. So this is why we also talk about our eye test, which is part of what more of the conversation is. Um, but it feels like they have not really been as involved. Um, you know, this can kind of come down to whatever those schemes are going to end up being, whatever choices the coaches decide to make. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, this isn't going to account for drops or anything. This is specifically just talking about um, actual completions. But, um, Wiley's got 11 receptions and Lenny's got eight on the season. Um, and I just think that's kind of, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe, maybe that's just me. I feel like just kind of with what we saw last year, I feel like we really got them into the mix. Of course, like that Navy game on, like that was Josh Wiley's game. And like the rest of the season, it really felt like they sort of became part of the like offense, like dependability wise scoring touchdowns, like always there. And I just don't feel like they're as involved this year. Um, I think like touchdown wise, they're usually involved when we're in the red zone, but for most of the field, like it's just, we, I don't know. I, I feel like we keep playing out to our, um, and playing out to the, you know, edges of the field. So regardless, uh, Steve, give us your grades and give us, uh, your player to watch for the rest of this season conference play. Huh. 
give two pluses uh, on a grade. Uh, I'm giving the receivers an A plus plus. Um, there and, you go. <laughs> like, they, have, they have been the brightest spot of this team so far, and um, not really noticing many drops, Justin. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm seeing a lot of good things from catching the ball. And uh, as Justin dies uh, <laughs> for there, I'll be taking over. Sorry, the I choked on my foot. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> we're keeping we're this good, in, good, by the way. Good. Oh yeah, <laughs> Justin. Uh, <laughs> the A plus plus really threw me off. <laughs> the Miami, no. <laughs> the, the Miami uh, Mafia is somehow getting to Justin now. So, oh yeah, um, the whatever Redhawks fan that goes to every game and still wears his old uh, Redskins helmet. Uh, that's the man that is actually <laughs> trying to choke Justin and. Uh, Justin just beat him up, so shout out to Justin. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he found you, but um, you know, you, you kept talking bad about Miami. That's what you get. Yeah. But, um. So, uh, but the receivers, uh, I, I, other than the the spots you mentioned with Mardner, Riley, and uh, Taylor, you know, I, I I do think that they've the those three have kind of been keyed on. Um. You know the. Then you still got Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott and you know Jaden Thompson. Like the, it feels like we've been able to get a lot of production out of those guys so far. And again, like against some elevated competition as well, um, I feel like they've been able to show up and show out. And I, I think as well with like the rest of our schedule, I'm really looking forward to see what Tyler Scott can do. I really think like you know, we we are missing Alec Pierce for sure, and we thought Nick Martiner might be more of an Alec Pierce type, and uh, he. Not exactly, but um, I think Tucker, uh, sorry, uh, Trey Scott really has something there. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with Trey Tucker. Like, it always feels like he's been used weirdly to me. Like, he has kind of been un, like underutilized in his time as a Bearcat. And even though he has been able to touch the ball a lot, just I don't know. That's a that's a thing to me. I don't know if anybody else shares that view, but a little bit underutilized. Um, yeah. Anyway, like I, I think Tyler Scott is your guy to watch, but um, I, I, Justin, I do think that they will try to scheme uh, Taylor and Wiley to get into the game because they are game breakers for sure. And you know, you need your tight ends to do more than blocking. Sometimes you need them to be involved and entertain. I mean, t- Lenny had a good catch on Saturday where he just like had three men take him down because he was just he cannot be stopped, and with he and he's got a head of steam. Like he, you can't stop him. And I think Lenny's game last year was the Notre Dame game. They kept like, he could not be stopped and they, uh, Des just kept finding him. Um, so I, I do think there is ample opportunity for them as we play teams who don't have like stud linebackers. I think that will help uh, to get them involved. And, uh, Nick Mardner, I think he's just going to be a lot bigger than some of those other guys, but, um, no offense, but he came from Hawaii, and Hawaii wasn't very good last year. So I don't know if that says yeah. anything about like him, really, from a quality standpoint. But uh, we had Jordan Jones on this roster for two years, and I think the only thing, only notable contribution he ever had was uh, his him passing uh, the touchdown on the Philly special to Dez. So <laughs> um, you know, we'll see what uh, Nick Barner does, but. Um, other than that, I, I mean, you know, Tyler Scott, he's my man right now. Like, I love watching him play. Yeah, no, no kidding. I mean, I think he's just going to be me. Like, that's that's the guy for the rest of the season. Like, he's just got the electric play. I think Trey Tucker, like, has quietly been very involved. 
um, just because maybe he's just not scoring the touchdowns in the same way. Um, but it's been really interesting to kind of see how things have shaked up. And I, I, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, I feel like last year, of course, all the focus was going to be on Dez. Um, and I feel like Ford got a lot of that focus too. Um, and in the past years, like it's kind of been, you know, like Mike Warren, and it's been a lot of this kind of running game and the receiving is just like kind of quietly been there. And now like, it's just the, it's the face of the program right now. Um, you know, like it or not, because I think, I think Ben Bryant, like, is just not sort of the fat flashy, like media, like hyped up player that Des is. Um, and yeah, I, I think like these guys are just kind of letting it rip. So regardless, this is the one that I was most excited to talk about. We're going a little bit long in this segment, so try to speed it up here, but, um, kicking my God, man, like this has been incredible. I, <laughs> We are 23 for 23 on extra points. This there has not been a single one missed all year. People lit up Ryan Coe for missing two kicks. I believe it was against Arkansas. Um, and if I, if I remember that correctly or one. Yeah. Um, Where's it at here? Yeah. Missed. Yeah. Missed two there um, against Arkansas. Um, but you know, against the rest of the season, I, I mean, I, you really can't complain that much. Like it's, it's been, it's been pretty incredible to watch. I mean, one miss, there's one big like miss was, uh, from 40 to 49 yards. And I think that that's kind of one of these things that like, I don't know, take it in stride. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I, I think uh, um, if, if you know me, uh, you know that uh, there's uh, some people who text me whenever uh, a kick is missed for the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I have not had one of those texts since week one. And just for that reason, minus. Good job. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't need those texts on Saturdays. Um, definitely, you know, those two kicks are going to stand out. Um, but they would have lost the game because it was they only count for six, uh, six points together. So we still would have technically lost by one if both those kicks had been made. But um, I think just you, this is what we wanted from the transfer Ryan. Yep. Co. this is just someone steady who's able to make everything and uh, we get some nice clean score lines too. You know, we've had we had a forty-five last week, a thirty-eight, a twenty-four, sixty-three. Like the, those are. Nice and clean. <laughs> yeah. No, no worries about like any missed extra points or having to out your first two point conversion play early. Yeah. So, um, and I, I think one of these things too that's like, I, this this is an interesting thing that we're gonna have to watch for the rest. Hopefully, not bring that out uh, this week against Tulsa, but um, you know, I think we've not really been in any close game situations either. Uh, where like kicking is really necessary um, to like be sort of the clutch uh, sort of situation. Kind of like we're all going to call back to that 2019 season with Sam Crosa, where uh, I think he hit like every game winner possible. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's just like he was golden in that. And we really like could rely on him there. And the past two years has just kind of been, not great. Well, actually, last year we were dead last in FBS, which I will always bring up because I think that is just god awful, and I hope that we're never at that situation again. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think this year has been pretty solid there and nothing we can complain about. I mean, Thick has never been really much of one to rely on kicking anyways. Um, you know, but in these maybe close game situations that we hopefully really have to have throughout the rest of the season, um, I think we're, we should be pretty confident in throwing them out there on the field and picking up three points and moving on. Yep, definitely. I agree. Should we move on to the defense, Justin? Yes, sir. Defense, man. The defense is the last. We're doing this as a whole just group together because defense, uh, well, you're getting lumped together. The Cincinnati Bearcats defense has been, has not missed a beat at all since last year. I mean, it's it's really, really incredible to watch how consistent Fick has made this defense. Um, and of course, you know, we've lost some key guys, but um, we've maintained some others. This year has been a very interesting year to watch a one key player. And that man's name is Ivan Pace Jr. Um, he leads the team by a mile in every defensive category. Um, of course, other than interceptions, um, tackles, 23 solos, 23 assists for a grand total of 46 tackles. Next closest on that list is Brian threats at 21 with Wilson Huber at 21, uh, in total tackles. He has just been, I mean, I, I feel like when the defense is out on the field, you blink, the ball is snapped. You blink again, and Ivan Pace is making a tackle. Like <laughs> it seems like he's been on every single ball. Um, he's got four and a half sacks, which is just insane. A grand total of thirty-four yards. Um, I don't know if that ever ended up coming out to that in the uh, Indiana game, but I'm pretty sure he like should have had a safety too. I don't know exactly what happened there um, because he definitely got that tackle uh, right up against the end zone. Um, has a forced fumble as well. I mean, he's been. I mean, for, for the transition from Miami, talking about a Mac school, um, I've said this before. Uh, shout out Coleraine boys. Like, this guy was so under-recruited in high school, and it amazes me that it took getting to a team like Cincinnati for like, him to not even, like, because he was doing this in Miami, but like it, that, that people, teams like Cincinnati passed him up. The teams, all over the country passed up a guy who is so good, so athletic, made some of the wildest plays, had the craziest highlight reel coming out of high school and then gets into gets into college and like is just stuck in the Mac. Like, I mean, I don't know how guys like this slip through the cracks, but we have a true gem in our defense with this guy. Um, that is a lot of focus on Ivan Pace. Couldn't quickly go through the rest of the list too. Uh, Brian Threats. Wilson Huber um, have definitely been studs along with Jaheim Thomas, Jawan Briggs. Um, Jabari Taylor definitely had some fun moments. I think I'm trying to remember which game it was. The Kennesaw game um, ended up getting that scoop and score touchdown, Big which is really fun. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as well, going along with like Jaquan, Jaquan Shepard, Deshaun Pace, Javon Hicks, Corleone. Arquan Bush, these guys have really been up at the front. One guy that I thought would be like more in this conversation than he is is Ty Van Fossen. I definitely thought that he would be like kind of just replacing Joel DeBlanco's like great, and maybe I just had too much expectations from that gap being filled, but um, or the void being filled per se. Um, 
but regardless, like our our linebacker core is just insane. Like I, mean, it, it's wild watching them out on the field, and the Cincinnati defense really has very few cracks. I mean, we've held. Let's see if I look at this real quick. Um, we have held teams to a grand total of okay. This is why you don't look up stats while you're doing. The conversation um 24 against arkansas 10 against kennesaw 17 against miami 24 against iu i mean or sorry 31 against arkansas um i i feel like this has really been like they've played very well um all things you know said and done i i, I re- you really can't ask for much more than them they're i i don't know exactly where they'd be leading in standings on the season all defenses but they've been up there Justin, here's the thing too. I think five of those drives against uh, Arkansas, five of those scoring drives against our defense against Arkansas, Miami, and Indiana were on short fields too. Short fields, yeah, short from fields. fumbles, so and interceptions, yeah. With that caveat, um, I'm going to give them an A minus. So um, you know that I think Fickle talked about it the first week. He's like, we only gave up 40 bunch plays all of last year, and we gave up 13 against Arkansas. So it's a little bit different. <laughs> and um, I think we were like, we've been spoiled by how good last year's defense was. And there are a lot of returning players, and I've been very impressed with the play of Dante Corleone. Like, dude, he pancaked a, a, a the center. Oh yeah, like that was yeah. an awesome <laughs> play. Um, then uh, you know Eric Phillips. And he's been uh, he's been big. Uh, he caused that fumble last week that Dominique Perry was able to score on. Um, Eric Phillips has like stepped into Malik Van's role, and he's done he's done fairly well for himself. So um, I'm happy for him. Um, that D line is just wrecking shit. Like they are just taking yep. care of business there. Um, corners are definitely definitely been good. Um, you know, Justin Justin Harris is going to get some time uh, to be involved, but. Um, you know, just Arquan Bush, uh, Josh Ward has been our highest graded receiver as of uh, PF, uh, our highest graded corner as of PFF. Um, and then, you know, what can you say about the Pace brothers? Like, <laughs> I feel bad for Deshaun because, like, it feels like he's been kind of overshadowed by how good Ivan has been. <laughs> so I know it's uh, crazy. Like, I mean, I feel like you know Deshaun's been there for sure, but I still feel like I haven't heard his name called as much as it was last year. And like, you know, that's just a shout out to how good Ivan Pace is. So um, like, yeah, I think this defense has been great. Um, I still think even they would say we've got, they've got more work to do. And um, I want to see how it comes again on Saturday as like, we look forward to, uh, as we look forward to Tulsa and we look forward to the rest of the season. Like I want to see how much better they can get. They're already off to a good enough start, but I want to see if they can get any better. Yes. I, I have one really fun stat for, um, so <clears throat> the Bearcats currently in the nation sit at, uh, in total defense, 26th. What is the one stat, some trivia for you? What is the one stat that the Bearcats lead the country in? Technically they're tied, but what is the one stat they lead the country in defensively? Uh, it's not takeaways. Is it, uh, is it sacks? No, 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 no. Um, Last breakups? I'm not sure. It would be defensive touchdowns. Really? Yes, with a grand total of three, which ties them with only three other teams, USC, Southern Miss, and Western Kentucky. Um, 
but we've had two fumble return touchdowns and interception. I was going to say, because like Iowa has been getting so much, um, so much talk about uh you know how good their defense is at scoring but that's right they only scored those two safeties so they yeah well and (laughs) well i i mean i guess technically i mean so a defensive touchdown safeties it might be a different conversation altogether because yes they are very good at that um i'd have to see if i can find that stat anywhere specifically for safeties um but as far as like touchdowns i mean iowa i think had literally like two this past weekend um and then aside from that, like they haven't had any defensive scoring other than the safeties, um, which, you know, you're never going to cop out Iowa. I think Iowa has held teams like grand total through four games, I think has only allowed like a grant, like literally like 27 points or like 28 points. It's something it's, it's less than four. I know that much, which is absolutely insane, but also their offense is trash. Uh, so <laughs> Iowa is definitely an interesting one to watch. Houston is also up there in this, uh, number at number five but you know that's uh, we got like 10 teams tied for that so regardless uh that segment went a lot longer than i wanted it to so we're going to speed up stock market real quick uh so for our stock market i feel like i should put in some uh like a wolf of wall street uh like sound over this but (laughs) regardless um are you buying holding or selling the bearcats Justin, uh, I'm buying. Um, it's been uh, a couple of good weeks of play, and um, I, you know, we I think this is just definitely some uh, expected results, um, and maybe a little bit of a you know just kind of a weird way to come to a loss in that first game, but um, you know, just kind of cool to uh, see us rebound like we have and show the the team's medal and come back and win the next three games. Um, so I, you know, just looking forward to the rest of the year, but, um, you know, I, I, I do think it's just, uh, just how high we were last year. You know, it's definitely a, a stock has dipped a little bit, but you know what they say, yeah. Justin, <laughs> as the stock lo- goes lower, that's the right time to buy, buy the dips. Before, yes. Buy the dips. I'm in strong hands <laughs> and buy the dips. I would have to agree with you. Uh, you can do nothing but buy the Bearcats. Um, if you are very bullish, of course, you're going to buy. But if you're feeling a little bear-ish, uh, maybe you fear Tulsa this weekend. Um, there are two hurricanes that are to be feared <laughs> this week. <laughs> and one has really detrimental, catastrophic uh, implications. And the other actually has very detrimental catastrophic implications although i think we're kind of out of the college football playoff conversation this year so yep. uh maybe a little bit less so yep. <laughs> not going to compare anybody's strife in this hurricane hey, to tulsa right. exactly. uh, in a football game because that's very remiss of me yep. that is clearly a joke but uh regardless uh next one houston are you going to be buying holding or selling um justin i'm going to be selling on the uh houston houston cougars and i'll just uh we're gonna uh, i'm gonna speed this up because i went a little bit long on my bearcats answer but justin they were tied with rice in the fourth quarter uh they lost to well kansas we, we might talk about them later but uh that they lost they they played two overtime games they might have just played a they almost played a third with rice before a very lucky defensive score and they got blown out by the best team in the country so um they should be one and three. They're two and two. Um, I'm selling. Fair enough. I would have to agree with you on that as well. Um, next up, 
the famous Golden Knights, uh, 2017 Asterix National Champions, or I guess 2018, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> they're both fake, so whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, buying, holding, or selling? Um, I'm holding on them for right now. Uh, that Louisville loss was probably a bad loss for them, um, and they did not look good against Georgia Tech either. Um, yep. Looked okay against FAU before pulling away. They are three and one, but um, I think their three and one is not the same as the Bearcats three and one. Uh, so this is the also the point of the year where they they start getting a lot of mention as like, oh, could UCF win the conference? And I'm like, bitch, have you not seen what the Bearcats have done for the past three seasons? Like, get out of my face with that. So, um, but I'm holding <laughs> on them for now. We'll just see what happens uh, in that game uh, in our late October. I definitely agree with you there. Um, hold is for sure the move because they have, they. I think they have some potential as much as I, uh, in our ether uh, deleted pod, uh, did definitely say that they would not uh, be a 500 team this year. I don't know if I would agree with that. Now. <laughs> but regardless, uh, they do have a tough rest of their schedule too. Um, and uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, next up, Tulane. Tulane has been an interesting one this year what are your thoughts buy hold or sell Tulane um another green wave and I was buying all the stock until they dropped a game to Southern Miss this past weekend yep. um to their former offensive coordinator I don't think there's any animosity there but uh their former oh yeah uh offensive coordinator coaches uh is the head coach at Southern Miss now and uh that probably felt good for him, but that was such a two lane loss that I was like, "Damn!" I was just starting to like you. You were three and zero, and then you you, you lose. So um, I yeah. am going to be selling on them. Unfortunately, uh, I do think they could beat Houston on Friday night, uh, but Houston just released some sweet black unis, so I'm not sure about that one either. <laughs> I'm going to have to say hold on okay. Tulane. I'm not going to sell, um, mainly because of one specific. Uh, they beat. Kansas State in Kansas. And then Kansas also beat number six, Oklahoma, this past week. So not every win is going to be somebody else's win. And not all of them should be equated because every game is separate. But for that reason, I'm going to hold because they beat a team that is capable of beating Oklahoma. And they also 52 owed an FCS team, which I find respectable as much as they did lose a close one on a field goal. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to hold on them. Uh, and last but not least, <laughs> our beloved Kansas Jayhawks, the 4-0 Kansas Jayhawks. Yep, we're not talking basketball. They did not talk. <laughs> they, they, they did not play uh, any basketball games yet this year, and the Kansas Jayhawks are 4-0. Uh, somehow, some way, they have made it. Very interesting. Are you buying, holding, or selling the Kansas Jayhawks? I'm buying all the stock, baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, New York it can only go up. <laughs> New York Mayor Eric Adams is in some hot water for saying that uh, Kansas does not have a brand, and uh, he's not a college football fan. Because look at this Kansas Jayhawk football team, Justin. Like my god, pal, they are just <laughs> like running through teams. Made it a little bit closer this weekend against Duke, but. Justin, how many teams have you seen win in overtime by double digits? Not many, except for your Kansas Jayhawks, baby. Yep. So uh, shout yep. out to the Hawks. That's just such an awesome like 
program and just such a cool thing to see them do. So, you know, like good for them. I would just like to point this out. This is a incredible stat for Kansas. For those of you who don't know and have just seen that Kansas is 4-0, Kansas has one of the most like electric offenses so far this year, and they've not really played too many slouches either. The Kansas Jayhawks are averaging 47 points per game. Pretty that good. is an insane amount of points scored. And to reference the 47 points uh, average against the teams that they played, of course, they played Tennessee Tech, uh, but then they played West Virginia, Houston, and Duke. West Virginia and Houston both on the road and then played Duke. The, the, the offense is very functional. We'll just say that much. And any team that's playing them they spotted Houston 14 and then got to watch out beat them. Like, they, they spotted yeah, Houston and, 14 points. And, and Houston is not a bad team either. You know, we've talked about this and we'll talk about this later on uh, in the season two, <laughs> but like Houston's not okay. Houston's not great, but they're not bad or sorry. They're not bad, yeah. but they're also not great. Oh, yeah. They're just, they exist yep. and they have a uh, defense, but regardless, uh, that was our stock market uh, exchange for this week. Uh, qu- real quick. We're going to get into weekend predictions and then we'll do a flyby breeze of West, uh, West Miller's press conference today. And give you a quick up to speed on basketball and then we'll get out of here. So weekend predictions, Steve, without further ado, without further ado, here we are chase for the chili shout out to your boys unnamed spot sponsor come on and sponsor us uh maybe not the the star company but uh other other <laughs> companies please feel i free. think we can get camp washington chili we too oh okay all right we, we may be in the works we gotta try it maybe in the works <laughs> with uh some some chili sponsor but justin chase for the chili uh, i will have to go back and tabulate all of our responses but uh, uh we want to get you involved too we're uh we'll try and send out the form again this week um but i'm gonna send it out in the morning so you have time yes uh so uh, this uh is our weekly segment where we just pick what we think is going to happen in the game so first up the score uh, justin the bearcats are uh proposed to cover by uh win the game by 13 points according to the spread this week so um I say they're going to win by 14. Um, I do think this is going to be a hard-fought battle, but I think the Bearcats pull away with a 24-10 win. By the way, Justin, Cincinnati has made it 49 straight games winning when they are 10 point uh, or more, uh, when they are favored by 10 or more points. So 49 which straight games. Which is an insane statistic. Which is crazy <laughs> because like for us cardiac cats people, we're like, we're not used to that. So uh, very, very interesting, very cool. Uh, so shout out take to, the line if it's double digits <laughs> yes uh shout out to brett mcmurphy for that stat but um the first score of the game um this has been an interesting one uh, we've seen a couple different answers uh here but i'm gonna go kind of off the board and say nick mardner will be our first score of the game um, okay i you know it's kind of been kind of talked about him he's like a little bit out there and i know i did unfortunately give him some shade earlier but um you know <laughs> you you don't get paid attention to for a couple of weeks the the other team starts sleeping on you so that's my hope is that yep. he finds a little seam and he gets out there and a nice little 20 25 yard shot uh, wouldn't be too bad um takeaway any point in the game Dante corleone my man has been just wrecking people up front and 
I do think eventually he's going to get to the quarterback, cause a fumble, hopefully recover it because for me that's points. But uh, the Godfather would would get some even more credibility um, for for getting a, a forced fumble or picking something up. Rushing game, um, man, I was way off. I think I said something about like 150 yards last week just because of how good Western Kentucky's offense was, uh, rushing game was against Indiana, and uh, that did not turn out to be true. So um, <laughs> I'm going to temper my expectations. I'm just going to say 80 yards. Uh, then passing game, another great week for Ben Bryant. So I say he's going to step it up again. Uh, 305 yards for Mr. Bryant on the pa- uh, through the air. Okay. Uh, you, gotcha. Justin, what do you think? What are you seeing in your crystal ball? In my crystal ball, I am seeing the Bearcats uh, coming away. I'm going to say we're, we're, we're going to roll with a nice 31-17 to 17 game. I think that would be a solid number for me. Um, as far as our... Uh, God, you got What's what is our? What, you you changed up, the, you changed up the order. Uh, this first week. touchdown score offense. Yeah, first touchdown. Okay, so first touchdown, I would believe is going to go to Corey Kiner. Um, I think he's just going to be able to punch it in, no problems, no ifs ands buts about that. Um, my defensive takeaway at any point in the game. Um, uh, I want to do something fun. I'm gonna say. I've made this way more difficult on myself than I need it to. Um, I would love to pick Arquan Bush if he was playing this week, but I don't know what his status is, and I don't. That's gonna be. I don't think that's gonna be happening. Um, so I'm gonna go with Brian Threats. Yeah, he had a good, good play last week. Brian Threats. That's gonna be my guy there. Um, as far as our uh, offensive passing yards. I'm going to say we're going to go with a nice, solid, and clean. Mm-hmm. 280. Yep. That's my number there. And defensively, or sorry, defensively, <laughs> rushing, man, my brain is scrambled. A long day at work. Um, defensively, defensively, <laughs> rushing, rushing yards is going to put us at about. Um, I'm going to say 200. Okay, 280 passing yards, 200 rushing yards. Mark me down. I'm going to make sure I listen back Mark to this it. so I can put in my uh, predictions correctly. That's what I've got. All right, we have encapsulated all of football. We have taken a ungodly amount of time now that i'm looking <laughs> where we're at we're gonna give this a hard five to ten minute we're gonna give a hard 10 minute cap we're not talking sports an hour and a half hour and a half uh if i have my maths correct for our total episode <laughs> length which is way too long uh justin let's take about nothing the, that we haven't done before yeah. let's take the 100 step walk from nippert stadium to fifth third arena talk about the cats yes in the basketball Yes, and probably like 50 if you're a basketball. Um, so, basketball. <laughs> Wes had his press conference today. Well, I guess just the basketball team in general had their press conference today. Um, I took some notes while I was listening to that. 
um, kind of all encompassing lots of interesting things were said. Um, specifically one of the most interesting things, Chad dollar was recently promoted to associate head coach. Um, which is interesting considering he's one of the newest members, if not the newest member of uh, Wes's staff. He's had some of these guys with him for like over a decade. Um, and immediately this, you know, coach gets promoted to uh, associate head coach above some of those guys that have been around even longer. So why is that the case? I feel like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brian, uh, what's the, I can't remember his name. He did it on first take. What's going on in Utah? Oh, Brian Windhorst. <laughs> yeah, Windhorst. Windy. Thank you. Um, Wes called Chad Dollar in this conversation um, the stabilizer of the coaching staff, and he wanted to acknowledge his role and uh, show how Wes relies on him because he wants him to be more vocal in practice um, so that he'll have even more of a say within the team. Um, and his role has traditionally been kind of known as a recruiter. Um, and so... With Chad specifically speaking on that, he said that he has a great relationship with Coach Morgan, um, and that there's like a really great atmosphere in Cincinnati. It's very much like a family in this team, which is really good to hear, um, especially because that's a thing that I think we've all kind of like seen the program as, but haven't really like had necessarily put out. Into work. So it's really nice, I think, to see that, see and hear that, um, and that he wants to see the players look at it that way as well. Um, and from what I can tell, he kind of, and it, you don't always hear a lot about, uh, you know, kind of like assistant coaches, like just in general, like in any sport, like you don't really hear much about it, even in football. Like you might hear about like your offensive defensive coordinator in football um, here and there. And then of course you're going to hear mainly from your coach, but in basketball, I feel like it's even less. So it's really just that coach. Um, so to kind of hear from him and kind of hear his side of things was nice. Um, he said that the players want to win. And they want to get Cincinnati back to where it used to be at the top of the sport. Um, and also a question I can't remember from who had that had asked that. Um, he also had said that uh, having Tamar Johnson, having four players on the team is very helpful to this cause. Oh, yeah. um, and so that was that was kind of an interesting thing, like with Chad Dollar there to kind of hear from him, because I've never really heard anything from him yet so far. So um, that was great. Uh, as far as some of the questions specifically towards uh Wes, he said that um, for the point guard position specifically between DDJ, Micah, and Rob, he wants to be able to make the rotations between them, have everyone be able to play at the point guard position, and um, then had some notes specifically for specific players, which I think was kind of nice just to hear what that was. And, you know, of course, I feel like one thing with press conferences, especially like preseason press conferences, you're always going to get like the all-encompassing answers where it's like, how would you like to see this player improve? They're like, well, you know, we'd like to see them do everything. Like, we want them to improve in all facets. But like, some of these things are really key that I really like to hear. Um, so, specifically for Micah, and I think Micah uh, has kind of quietly been part of this basketball program over the past few years. Like, it, it's I, I feel like he might not be the flashy player. He gets overshadowed by Davenport. He gets overshadowed by DeJulius yeah. in you know the past few seasons, but. He's been pretty rock steady. He hasn't been like the most electric scorer um, that you typically, you know, kind of think or expect from like a point guard, um, which I think traditionally, like over the past few years, um, hasn't like we, we've never like even with like Troy was a and I'm not, never going to sh- crap on Troy because this is not a shot by any means. But like 
Troy was a great point guard, one of you know the most consistent, one of the best that we've ever had. But with that said, like I just feel like he was not like the the attention's always taken away from the point guard position in Cincinnati. And I think with the Julius now like being sort of the offensive firepower, um, it feels like it's kind of focused there. And so again, you have a guy like Micah who's been consistently within this team the past few years, even longer than him. Um, and then David, and now he's just still kind of in the shadows in the background. And, you know, all the attention was on um, Saunders leaving this offseason, too. And so <laughs> I think this is really interesting to hear. He said specifically that he wants to get him out, um, him to get the ball out earlier, and he wants him to shoot better from three. Um, but specifically that he wants him to be one of the best defenders in the conference and then, of course, in uh, the nation which I think is a pretty high mark, um, but something I don't think is too far out of bounds for Micah. Yeah, definitely. What and do you think? I think he can be got long arms, man. You're going to get some tips on balls and you're going to be able to get in the way of some passing lanes. And um, I, I think, you know, like the Justin Jennifer role, um, it's not very yep. sexy. It's not very highly rated, but it's going to be something that's needed for your defense. So, um, uh, I, th- I think the defense was a little bit better last year, but if I wanted to get it back up to where Wes Miller wants to play, then we're going to need a couple guys who are really just studs on the defensive end um, and are able to at least facilitate some offense on the other end. And Mike has had some good games, but um, I think uh, Alex Meacham talked about this last year. Like, you know, Micah probably needs to be like a, this point he, he should, or probably should be getting close to being like a 10 to 15 uh, a night kind of guy and you should yeah kind of want that from him because you know in in the long game like you know david shouldn't be relied on for all the points kind of like he has been the past two years like we need guys like mike to step up and really contribute yeah no kidding and i, I think like you know rotating these guys it's going to be interesting to see now too just with how integrated mike has been in the team and the lineup for the past few years alongside DDJ. Then on top of that, we had this conversation a while back, how you're going to inject Rob Finnessy on top of those two. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, that just comes from different looks. Maybe you have one of these guys playing the two instead of just the one um, so that they're all kind of splitting time. But Rob is, you know, uh, I think he's a five-year guy now. So um, it, it's really going to be interesting to see how all of that works. Um, the most interesting one that I think everybody was kind of wanting to hear about was JD. Um, Davenport, Wes's notes were specifically that he wanted him to evolve physically, uh, to be able to guard more positions and defend better, um, to make better decisions with the ball, have more bounce around the basket, and also mentioned uh, that in all of his time as coaching, um, said that he's made the biggest jump over the summer or over the past few months of any player that he's coached in levels of maturity. Um, and specifically said that he wasn't, it's not that he wasn't mature, before, but said that he's just taken, you know, a big leadership role, um, and that he is, you know, kind of really playing into his own now. And so that's, that's really good to hear because that's a, that's one of those things where I think all of us sort of had like a, I wouldn't say a gripe, but a, uh, big question mark over Davenport and how involved should he be in the team? How much should he be handling ball with how you know i i would i don't want to say the word careless because he's definitely not careless with it but because you know it's always trying to make calculated maneuvers but 
with how easily he let go of the ball in situations where we should have definitely protected the ball. Um, and so making those smarter decisions when you, um, you're on the court, um, especially like in crunch time scenarios, I think is huge just because if he, if he can make those steps for, we've all seen the offensive firepower that he has. We saw the game against Memphis where he hit like seven or eight, three. just ridiculous stuff. And he has that ability. Um, I didn't hear anything mentioned about consistency. Maybe that kind of just comes down to really just holding onto the ball, making sure you protect it better, making those better decisions. Um, so I guess that's sort of a synonymous answer for that. Um, but to know that he's like kind of made those jumps mature maturity wise is really nice to hear because he is like, he's, you know, him and DDJ, they're the leaders of this team. And it's, if they're not the leaders, they're the face of the team for sure. Um, and they're the guys who are going to get the most attention. Well, um, uh, so. all I'll say about uh, uh, Davenport is that I think I think we definitely flushed our thoughts out about him last season, and um, you know we <laughs> we know what he is, we know what he's not. But um, I want to have more games where I say to myself, I would die for Jeremiah Davenport than the games where yeah. I'm like, God, <laughs> pass the ball, you know, like uh, yeah, just a, a couple more of those games where. He's really just involved, and then you know we know he's gonna put it put it up a couple times, but and if he can just knock like one, two, maybe even three more down a game, oh man, like I would I would love that. So um, I'm really hoping for big things for him this year. Like he's he's like one of those guys that's like stay loyal to the program, not the coaching staff, and like you know just he's been yeah through it through thick and thin. So hopefully we can have even more success for him this year. Yeah, and shout out to Micah for that as well. Like, and that's the thing that I think a lot is like in this scenario, like it's really easy to just cut and run and just kind of throw in the towel on it when you know your coaches change out. But these guys have really kind of stayed tried and true to it. So after your coach gets uh, fired because he was a well, Lisa Brandon will come yeah. at me for that. But uh. yeah, actually, while we're on it, um, if anybody missed that, John Brandon and Bearcats did come to an agreement to pay out a portion of the rest of his contract over the past like week or two, um, which I think is kind of crazy, all things considered, because I thought all that was settled. Like I didn't think there was anything still here, but apparently that man is still chasing that check. Um, but uh it's essentially said that like this is like an end all be all. There will be no like he is never hireable again, and there will be uh no more conversation around this for any time to come and his time with Cincinnati is done and it is past. So kind of a fiery end to his career here. And then now bring this up again. I mean, I guess he still got some money out of it somehow. Well, and um, now he's on the Dayton but, staff, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, working for his yeah. former <laughs> boss again. So, um, but, uh, but moving on from him, uh, just Justin, like, you know, you, you brought up like, uh, you know, just uh, one of more uh, West Miller's quotes. And um, you said that, well, he said today that a lot of the offseason work has been great for guys like Victor Lockin and uh, John Newman getting a full offseason, the post-COVID offseason, getting them really a chance to get involved. And then uh, just real quick, he said also that all this preparation is for when the games uh, start to get more, the grind gets harder in uh, January and February. So, Um, like you've noted, it's pretty cool to see him looking so far ahead to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like it's 
overall, um, I think the biggest thing for this team is just to kind of clean up a lot of mistakes and see how this offseason having it together and fruition really can like kind of drive um, the team. And you know, I, I think every team has kind of been in this situation too. So it's not like a Cincinnati specific thing, but with some of our players and their circumstances, like it just kind of has made it so that they haven't been able to have true off seasons and haven't really been able to prepare in the way that traditionally basketball teams normally would at the collegiate level. So, um, you know, foresight in that I, I'm always going to appreciate. And I really do hope that, uh, you know, we can kind of come out swinging. It's nice. I will say um, it was kind of the old Mick move, but I will say it's kind of nice to just have some cupcakes on the schedule. Granted, we're going to have the Maui Invitational. That is going to be a gauntlet and a half. There is going to be no easy out there. Um, or sorry, easy win. There may be some easy outs. Um, but I think it's definitely going to be nice to just have some games to warm up with. Um, looking at our schedule going into the season, because it's, that's one of those things where I just kind of, you know, especially with Brandon, like he's scheduled pretty, pretty hard. And some of those aren't always going to be directly scheduled by the coach in chair at the time. But um, I feel like we've just got to, sorry, hold on. There we go. I had some raising sound come up Um, when you're, you know, when you're, in the beginning of your season, you're just getting the crap kicked out of you and you go on losing skids. It's just really hard to fix and write the ship uh, going into the rest of the season. So, I mean, I think if I have any goals for this team, it's to just make sure that I, I have two goals. Um, a, I want the, I, I want the defense not even I want I want the defense to be the most consistent thing night in night out. Offense obviously skids and slides, but I want that to be rock steady. Like don't let anybody get the better of you. Like if there's going to be a game, keep it close. A B point 2 here. When we're in a close game situation at the end, figure it out. <laughs> figure it out and come up on top because we've had way too many not even just Wes Miller, but under Brandon too. We had way too many games over the past few seasons where it's been down to the wire. There's it's it's been a five point game, and we we're either on top or down, and we let it go. Like we just we start sliding for no reason. Like it's I don't know what it is, lack of discipline, this or that, but like it's that preparedness. And we talked about this last season uh, with Wes forget. There was one pod that you specifically had mentioned. This is like, how many times did Wes come out and say, I just didn't have my guys prepared. Hopefully this off season will have him give him the ability to have these guys more prepared and week in and week out. I want these guys to be ready to win the game when it's within five with three minutes to go. Definitely. Like that's, that's my biggest goal time. for this team, because if we can do that, we can turn around. I mean, there's probably at least five, six games within, you know, that scenario last year. Um, if not way more than that. Right. <laughs> and we just didn't come out on top. Like we, we should be winning those games. Um, uh, so someone else was on campus today, Justin. Um, and he would probably agree that that is clutch time and you got to win those games. Uh, John Rothstein was there. 
to see the practice. Oh, yeah. and, uh, he has his predicted top five for, uh, well, starting five for the Bearcats. Would you mind reading those off for us real quick? Yes, sir. So the predicted starting five. <laughs> this is really interesting. <laughs> I'm actually reading this. I'm. <coughs> is, is this. <coughs> I'm. This is not a shot by anything, but do you, th- do you think this is real? <laughs> okay, anyways, I'm going to read it off. I'm going to read it off. I'm going to read it off. Starting five, Rob Finnessy, David DeJulius, Landers Nolly, Jeremiah Davenport, and Kalu Izikbe. I, on, reading it, it doesn't sound that far off, but how do you, I'm, I'm just so biased, man, but how do you have a guy like John Newman the third and not have him in the starting line. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, you know, he, I don't know. That was his kind of his role at Clemson, right? It was like, kind of like that six man, like first man up off the bench, like defensive energy kind of guy. And like, you know, maybe, I mean, John Newman probably wouldn't like it, but like, you know, Landers Nolly is also a fifth year senior as well. So, and like it, I, he's definitely had some games where he's went off. So I, 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 I yeah. do think like, John could be be a little bit better in just that that energetic defensive guy role, and you know maybe we're too close to him because we we were able to talk to him last year. But um, I I think it, it is interesting though. And then Rob Finnessy was obviously obviously going to be uh, an experienced uh, point guard to bring up the ball and maybe let David uh, focus a little bit more on being that shooting guard, two guard kind of guy. Um, and then uh, I I really don't know not anything about Kalu Exig play, so I'm interested to see him play. But man to see how OD played over the past couple of years uh, or last year and just to not get any love. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, I, I obviously OD couldn't really score, but um, I, I, I have a love for any UC basketball player who boxes out with their arms and elbows and just like really just gets in there and fights for fights for balls. So um, I would love to see yeah. OD get a little bit more time like that, but then let's just be real. The the team that we grew to kind of like last year, they finished eighteen and thirteen. They weren't that good. Uh, so you are correct. So maybe these new guys, if they are better than what we have, we should be trying to get them out there and try to win a few more ball games. I know, I know it's tough. It's it's I, hard, yeah. but um, it's just if I'm being real, that's uh, they didn't end up being that good last year. So um, maybe we can be a little bit better with the new guys. I I will agree with you on that. I think one thing that I find really interesting about this lineup is how short this lineup is. Yeah. <laughs> this traditionally, like, I mean, against, I mean, this is like Warriors type off or Warriors type like starting lineup, not in talent, <laughs> but specifically nice. by like stature, uh, because Calo Zikbe, which would be our starting five. Uh, or, or five is starting in, in the starting five, six, eight, Rob Finnessy, of course, uh, guard is six, one, David Julius, six foot. So you got two guys right around six foot. Then you have Landers Nolly and JD, um, both respectively at, uh, six, seven. So it's going to be a short lineup and there's going to have to be a lot of switching. And I feel like those guys would all have to be able to defend everybody. Um, specifically JD, I remember Wes actually talked about that in his press conference that he wanted him to be able to cover everybody, um, in all positions, which is, I don't know. I mean, I would think I, I can definitely see Landers Nolly starting 
just considering his experience. Um, and Memphis has not been any amount of a slouch over the past few years. They've been tough for sure. Um, but it's interesting to see because we have uh, two graduates. We have two fifth-year seniors. And then we have a redshirt senior within uh, Landers Nolly. And then beyond that, we have three juniors. Uh, Lockins, a redshirt sophomore along with three other sophomores and then three freshmen. And then you have the possibility of talking about the whole class coming yeah. next year. Uh, so like you're always going to have some movement, but I'm, I'm always going to stick with this. Like this is always my line. Get Odie in there, get <laughs> Lockin in there. Maybe they don't need to be starting, but split those minutes. Cause damn dude, you're going to lose to Julius Newman, Ezek Bay, Finnessy and Nolly. After this year, you're going to lose five guys after this season. You have to start at least one of those juniors. And you, I mean, which obviously you'd be starting Davenport, but you have to start at least one other junior. Sure. Because you, I mean, it's, you're going to have such a between this year and next year if your experience is not up to speed, because this is the last year, the farewell tour in the American. Next year is the Big 12, and if your guys don't have enough starting experience, you're going to hit a slide, and it's going to walk into Kansas. It is going to hurt real bad. You're going to get bitch slapped in the face. Yep. You need to be ready for that, and I don't think if if I I mean, granted, this is Rossi, and this is totally off the board. We're going to see what happens when the uh, season comes around, but the thing is, I, I can see this happening, too, yep. but you can always play for experience. I'd rather play for development and wanted that last year. It didn't happen. We'll see what happens this year, but please just get some of these guys some minutes because they're going to be the future of this team. That is the focus on. I mean, Nolly, Fennessy, Ezek Bay, and DeJulius are all projected in the starting lineup. That's four of your starters. Goodbye, gone. And John Newman, I think, should be a starter. So (laughs) I don't even know how you work him into all that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we, we do have a lot of talent on the team. I feel like I even said that last year too. And of course we didn't really get it done. Um, but you know, like I said, change a couple of those late game scenarios and maybe you're not an 18 and 13 team. Maybe you're a 22 win. Team. maybe you're a 23 win team and you're talking NCAA tournament instead of declining the NIT. So <laughs> you don't, play uh, that. you know, <sighs> Yeah, we don't play in that shit in Cincinnati. So, uh, regardless, we have went way miles too long. I doubt that literally anybody's going to be listening to us at any point uh, this late into the episode, Steve. But if you are, we definitely appreciate you. Um, make sure to uh, like, follow, and subscribe, as they always say. <laughs> and make sure you're on top of all of our channels. Turn your notifications on. Uh, if we don't miss an episode or two or three because of reviews and stuff, Hopefully we can keep most of our pods under 40 minutes. That's usually the goal. This one just happens to be like triple that time. So with all that said, I am Justin Hiles for Steve Maurer. Thank you guys for listening to Viva La Cats. Uh, We will be in touch possibly after the Tulsa game this week, if not next week. So thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon. Bearcats. Go Bearcats.